0: Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to GirlInTheGov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding. Where our goal is to make politics more accessible
0: and less intimidating.
2: The show features an interview with an expert in the political field walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more.
0: By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And <laughs>
2: yes, we know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point, because <laughs> politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Gum the podcast. Happy Wednesday. We have some things to chat about, some thoughts to share, because we actually got a request from our amazing, amazing audience to talk about the RFK of it all. Mm-hmm. Samantha. Give us the tea, honestly, because there's pipe and hot tea associated. There really is, and it is so interesting because when
0: our listener DM'd us and was like, "Wait, can you guys talk about this?" I was like, "Oh my god, how have we not?" And we've been skipping top stories a little bit, just scheduling wise, recently. And I was like, "That's honestly probably how we skipped over it." But it is this interesting dynamic of seeing these people, RFK specifically going after an incumbent. Like, I think that is also like very unique. Like you have this incumbent president, like kind of like solid dude or whatever. And then you have people challenging him in the primary. Now that's like never happened before, but Mm -hmm. it is interesting. And it's interesting that these people, him, Cornell, Marianne, like have become focuses for the media to a degree, but especially RFK. And I think what really set it off and what our listener was pointing to was that he went on Joe Rogan and was spewing all these conspiracy theories, which honestly is like what RFK is known for, which to me has made him an unserious person and an unserious candidate from the get-go. Like, to me, like not someone I would ever even bat an eyelash at, but what's scary, not only of him getting that position with how many gazillions of followers and listeners that joe rogan has is that he is just spewing like continuous or how much support these conspiracy theories and stuff have it's it's like wackadoodle stuff wackadoodle time as we would say on tiktok but mm-hmm. what i think especially is so wild to sub to give like a little sub tweet here is how the hell is a joe rogan podcast episode almost three hours long you could not get me you cannot catch me dead doing anything for three hours straight
2: no really? it's our conversation and the fact that he's so popular for it is so that's even more shocking like there's probably even... so many like freaks on the internet who just talk and talk and talk for hours on end hoping someone will listen to them but like joe rogan actually has millions on millions of people listening to him spew for like hours on it it's insane. insane and giving the mic to a range of different Crazy characters. I people. think Joe Rogan is known for that, for just kind of having controversial people on his show. And so this just fits right into the mold of totally. the Joe Rogan show, but- um, It makes
0: sense. Like, I definitely think it's a pair where it's like, oh, okay, like they booked him, totally. Like yeah. the shoe fully, fully fits, but like, it's still- I
2: need mean, so, guess... one thing really fast. Okay. Google RFK- nothing else and then look at the first video that or the first article that pops up okay just rfk yeah not the shirtless (laughs) and like cnn's the only one reporting it but i'm like okay video rfk juniors shirtless push-ups go viral this man is yoked the fact this happens to be news on the day that we talking we're talking about him what do you know but you know, sorry, I that mean, was just a sidebar.
0: Well, no, what's also <laughs> so weird sidebar. about this situation is the fact that he's running as a Democrat. Yes, like, I he, want to talk about I that. Think, I think if he, I mean, I think he's, like I said, town, USA, like that's his zip code for sure. But if he were running as an independent or, I, you know, insert some other very small third party, I'd be like, okay, I like why but okay i see this but the association that he's making between himself and the democratic party is like a really strange connection for me like i'm not the math isn't mathing i'm like are you trying to well i line where you're discrediting like the democratic party because then your stuff is so wackadoodle.
2: you're trying to create a line i feel like it has something to do with the trump era and like the Trump base and how he's almost creating a democratic version for that potentially because mm. but which is what I'm so curious about I'm like first of all is this his actual just views on the world like does he personally believe this or is this like a strategy for kind of breaking the mold and bringing in different people and trying to stand out from the classic d democrat but yeah I'm like this strategy, I'm just curious what kind of like polling or whatever they've done, because I feel like the conspiracy theorists on the right are for Trump. Like they're, the conspiracy theories theorists on the right aren't looking for like a moderate conspiracy theorist. They're like, oh, I'm a conspiracy theorist, but like I don't mm-hmm. really like Republicans. You know, I just feel like totally. they're probably all over there. So I'm like, what audience is he catering to, RFK? on the democratic side. I know there's some like anti-vaxxer, like hippie types who like don't wanna, you know, take an Advil or, you know, take a vaccine because they don't know where it's from. Like they wanna be like holistic and natural, like maybe that group. But other than that, like I can't think of like a democratic demo that is into the conspiracy theories. And like, what values do you hold? Are you pro-choice? Are you Like what other, what are your other values if you're voting for a guy like this? To
0: me, it's like, what, like where if that's your platform that you're starting on, like, again, who are you connecting with in the Democratic Party? But like, I will say this, though, because his polling is what's been part of the conversation that there's like a good 20% of Dems that are on his side that are vibing with him, which is wild. And I don't know if it's like, almost like people that are in the party that aren't progressive like they're more moderate old school dems in some way and yeah. they are like looking for but they have questions about the establishment like different questions about the establishment than the progressives do so like that's all i can really come up with but again i'm like yeah. then how, still how that's are we true. Getting i guess
2: he could be here. like anti-establishment democrat but in a different way yeah
0: but again, it's like, no, it's so the, interesting. Like, at least values? he's
2: running as a Democrat and not running in some third party that's going to fuck up the general, which there that's are many threats point. of at the moment. But yeah, but I, just, I mean, I'm just, it's very mind boggling. I want more info.
0: I know it's mind boggling. I was looking at him before we hopped on, not looking at him specifically, looking at his bio and whatever, not <laughs> necessarily the shirtless push-ups that video situation, But like he's Harvard, Harvard, can't say it, educated. And I think it like goes to show like it does not matter what school you went to, that does not make you intelligent. Like you could go to Harvard and still be a wackadoodle, absolute nutcase conspiracy theorist. And I just need to put that out there. So
2: yeah, I'm like, unless it's some, again, some elaborate strategy to like, fake I this mean, we
0: could make our own conspiracy theory about it
2: yeah maybe he's some on brand maybe he's a conspiracy theory that this isn't actually what he believes but he's trying to appeal to some base that we don't know exists but
0: oh that was the other point i was gonna make though is you know like how especially when we talk to like some of our friends that represent um areas in the south and they talk about like like, okay, like an Arkansas Democrat isn't like a New York Democrat or a yeah. uh, North Carolina Democrat isn't like a Vermont Democrat, like whatever the comparison is. And so to that, I wonder if there's an element of unfamiliarity in other areas that like we're not in that,
2: you know, like we're just not. Yeah, But of. I feel like those Democrats are going to be more moderate versus like the more whack job yeah. conspiracy theorists. So I'm just like confused, but I guess like he might be coming off as as middle of the road with touch of conspiracy theorists
0: i don't know i guess it's like also too it's like to cycle out, to be like you know fake psychologist for a second like i think everyone always thinks that like they're the good guy or like their party is like or their side is right and going to come from like a a middle ground or like from rationality And so then it's like us seeing this thing that's like, this isn't rational. How could this be within our orbit? But it's like, there's, he's just nutty. He's Google for Cocoa Puffs. It's wackadoodle time. It's literally wackadoodle time. I also, to a different thing that we were talking about earlier, is the third party situation, Mm -hmm. which is like very, it's always troubling. And I know it's like someone's going to be like, well, our system is like fucked up. With the two-party system, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not saying, like, it's not. But working within the kind conf- confines of, like, our current system and what will be a Biden, like, matchup against, I can't say anything else but wackadoodle, this goddamn podcast. Mm-hmm. Wackadoodle on the Republican side, like, voting for the third-party candidate as a protest doesn't get you anywhere.
2: Totally. I just know it's the third party threats are real and I think especially Cornell West switching from um the working People's Party I think to Green Party is like a huge threat and I don't know that the Biden camp is fully understanding the threat of that because obviously Cornell West is not going to win but there is a world in which he can get a big chunk of the vote that can obviously, help trump potentially win and take away from biden's numbers so that is a real threat that i think needs to be taken seriously that i don't think is yet because the green party like cornell west announced in a different party that party doesn't have as much infrastructure like in ballot access in certain states versus the green party who's actually more established has about ballot access and could actually be a general contender in the general and again, serious threat for Biden. So we will see. And that's for the general too. This isn't like RFK and Marianne Williamson who are running Democrat and will you know be up against him in the primary and then lose the primary and then they're gone. Threat's gone.
0: And here's the thing. I empathize with people feeling like Biden isn't the person that they want as their choice. I really do. He's not who I wanted like last election for sure. But
2: yeah this
0: is the cards we were dealt let's work within it quite honestly he's actually accomplished a shitload of stuff he's going on this biden economy i can't biden economy biden bidenomics Bidenomics? that's not going to be easy to say they fucked up there. rebrand bidenomics oh okay well regardless i like the concept and bidenomics
2: it's also there's no like positive um i don't know like P- people could call bidenomics like and make a whole campaign about how terrible bidenomics is like totally. it's like why are we
0: this is why they need to hire us literally
2: wait you know what
0: i was thinking about though it was like literally like with all the various events that i've seen at the white house so for the, like the last month and different political influencers getting invited to and like each one that's invited it's like very specific category like they're an they're an activist in I don't know, say they're like a voting rights activist and it's a voting rights event, like whatever it is connected. And I'm like trying to think of like, okay, how do we game this system? How do we get invited to this? And I'm like, what's our niche? What is the event? What our niche is? Like, where is the event for the basic white bitches that want to go to the white house?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, literally. Like and January. like now is some of the work I'm doing, like we are doing an influencer program and like, yeah, it's like prioritizing very diverse audiences and niches from like single moms to travel to fashion to like literally everything which is great which is what is so needed but yeah you're like we're the basic white bitches
0: is even like <laughs> like, the game? Like, we why? will vote
2: like- progressive too i promise you gotta retain us now <laughs> God damn it yeah um the biodynamics i'm actually dead at that i feel like we really hit the nail on the head on that like that can become a joke just as well. I know they want it to become like this thing that to point back to like, look at how amazing the economy is. So like a lot of people can say there's bad things about the economy currently as well. Or like, what if totally. we go into a recession? Then the recession's going to be called Bidenomics. <laughs> <laughs> they fucked up. They really fucked up with that one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like what we would do to solve that though. I just feel like it shouldn't have like some punny name that can be also made fun of and made really negative. Yeah. Like, mm. Like, I feel like they did so great with the Inflation Reduction Act, like that branding for that bill. I'm still like so proud of them for it because it's like everyone only cares about inflation right now. Like here's a ginormous piece of legislation called the Inflation Reduction Act. Like genius. That's the kind of simple that's fair straightforward messaging that's needed like
0: the higher pay app, like yeah it should be something along those like those lines where it's like very exacting like it hits them exactly where not where it hurts i guess where it hurts like where people are economically hurting
2: i don't know, if it's, I don't know. brainstorm
0: yeah.
2: ah! uh, well hopefully this is mm-hmm. seen and heard a by an operative and they'll want to implement it.
0: So if someone from the White House is watching and you guys are looking for two basic white bitches um, yep. to attend an event and just.
2: There's probably some like really, you know, big famous fashion influencer, basic white bitches like Alex Earl, you know, <laughs> that, she'd probably take precedence over us. But no, uh... we have the political spin. So
0: I will, you know, I will fight Alex Earl over that. I think she'll be <laughs> fine. There was like a whole video of her like having to like be like I learned things at college. Donald Trump, blah blah blah. I actually really like outside, so it's not- Pro she was Trump
2: like or I think anti.
0: she was seen like in a video where there was like Trump flags, and I think it was like down the shore. Which like anywhere you oh. go in Jersey, like on the co- like down the shore, yeah. Trump flags everywhere. It's nuts. I remember was it last summer? I've been down the shore around. I think it was last summer, but one of my best friends has a house down there. And like, we were going to like this random person's like boat party situation, didn't know what we were walking into. And it was like a full on Trump boat situation. And it's like one of those things, like I'm all for like keeping people accountable and whatever, but like there's situations where you're just there, you have to deal with it. Like it is what mm-hmm. it is. And I don't know what this is. Those boat. Trump
2: boat parties are so cruel. Like when you go on a bo- on a guy's boat like you already know they're conservative like they don't need to like rub it in our face like you're taking the L by going on the boat going on a conservative's boat cuz like what other options do you have so for them to like really ruin boats for liberals literally <laughs> I yes all right who's going to do it where is all of our liberal boat people but i'm also just like the conservatives can you just like not make the boats maga just so we can like we're already biting the bullet coming on your boat we know you're conservative and we're swallowing that pill and swallowing our mm-hmm. pride to do it. There's no reason to make it worse and add Trump flags all over the place. Like, please,
0: please think for the pictures, for the pictures. And this is where I empathize with Alex Terrell because she was probably just doing a cute shoot, doing a little moment and yeah. Trump flags in the back. It's a no, whole like truly, if you situation. want to be on a boat in
2: this country, it's unavoidable to not have a MAGA yeah. flag at the background somewhere and you can't control it. It's out of your it control if so you want to be on a boat.
0: Weird. It's like, okay, wait, so there's this new show that I've been, it's not even like super new, but they went viral. And then I got hooked. They're talking about like things they've had it with. They're like, I've had it with, and I'll be like kids yelling at a, what, like in a restaurant, like all these ridiculous things. And one of them was people with trucks, with the flags coming out of the back and same thing. It's the same energy. Why do we need a massive flag coming out with the back of your truck with, like, don't tread on me or like, I, Blue lives matters or whatever. I'm like, are you trying to impale me? One, two, you look ridiculous. Three, like, if you're at least going to be like obnoxious, keep it to a bumper sticker.
2: Uh, yeah. Whenever in my so career, I'm involved in the policy side of things. Mm-hmm. I first thing I'm piece of policy I'm writing is some car reform. So no more loud fucking cars. You don't get to like take your muffler out or whatever the fuck. If you have yep. a car that can, you can be heard from a mile away. No, no longer. That's done. Flags will add that to the list because, and also this goes for motorcycles. The loud motorcycles can also be shit. I, just truly like why? The it, small, big energy of it is yeah. insane. It's like, it's going to be the Noise Pollution Reduction Act and will include the flags just like as a little earmark on the piece of legislation just so we can get that included as well because it's safety at the end of the day safety first First. safety first but we have an episode that was our rant for the week um which i know everyone subscribing comes for for that mostly but i think i will take second place to the our amazing guests that we have every week of why you come back wow, and listen I'm so to us. i so proud of you for putting that ego aside. I know. Um, but I do it for our guests because I love them the most, more than Sorry. myself. Let's introduce ours today.
0: So our guest today is Don Hucklebridge, director of Paid Leave for All. So you can guess that we are talking about paid leave for all, defining what it is, what it means for the person that might take it, looking at what it would mean for businesses, small, large entrepreneurs, everything, and how this would get past at the federal level where we're at with it because we came pretty close and we talk about that as well. So, without further ado, here is Dawn.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: All right, let's get into it. Today we have Don Hugglebridge from Paid Leave for All on the podcast, and we naturally are going to talk about Paid Leave for All. But before we get into it, Don, would you mind telling us? what you guys do, what the focus is, and also sort of like what Paid Leave for All is, which feels like has a lot of different rabbit holes we can go down for sure.
3: For sure. Lots of rabbit holes. Yes. Don Hucklebridge, I'm the director of Paid Leave for All. And Paid Leave for All is the, I'll give you sort of the, the formal line. We are the national campaign of the organizations leading the fight for paid family and medical leave for all working people in the United States. And what I should say is that, and I'm sure we'll get more into this, we are one of the only countries in the world that guarantees no form of paid leave for its workers. Zero. So there are a number of groups that have been working on this for quite a while, and it's a really cool story. They came together in one of our founding board members' living rooms and said, we need to actually coordinate better. If we want to get this law passed and get it over the finish line, uh, instead of kind of any form of competition, we need to be doing more collaboration, more coordinating and together, raised money to get this started. Hired me. We launched at the end of 2019, and have now brought together more than 30 organizations on our steering committee. We think of the campaign as both a coordinating body and sort of an added layer to, to you know, to get this supercharged. Is what we talk about a lot, and how really? to hopefully get this law finally passed.
0: Okay, we yeah. have a question about the 2019 element. Since that was like pre-COVID and I feel like so much what we think about is post-COVID, did that really shift what you guys do at all or like open sort of like or put shine the lights on things you didn't even realize you had to cover as part of the campaign? Completely. Not necessarily things we
3: didn't think we had to cover, but it shined a spotlight for sure. And it's quite a story because we had launched, you know, pretty scrappy. We were still fundraising. I hadn't hired staff yet. We basically had a website and a great launch video and a whole lot of passion, but then the pandemic hit just a couple of months later and everything went into fast forward. We launched a war room in the middle of a pandemic while most of us were caretaking, watching kids full-time, you know, in-person learning was shut down. It was chaos. Learning how to use Zoom for the first time, many of us. (laughs) But we realized what it would mean in a country with no paid leave to go through a pandemic, what that would mean for caretaking, what that would mean for public health. And so actually, in March, this, the United States passed for the first time a paid, a national paid leave law. It was a temporary law meant to give protections to families for these things, is paid family and sick leave. And we already know that it actually prevented more than 15,000 COVID cases every day. And we know that it saved countless families through through all kinds of crises. Unfortunately it expired. You know, we tried very hard and we are still trying very hard. We came really close to making that permanent, to, to getting something permanently done. We were a vote away, an inch away, and we're still gonna get it done.
2: Wow. I mean, yeah, the COVID of it all makes so much sense. And I'm sure, like you said, had so, such good impacts to see something like that put in place. But super curious too, like how you fell into this work. Like what is your journey in getting here and specifically, you know, fighting for this issue?
3: Sure. I have spent my career either studying or working in in gender as it relates to politics and policy. You know, I think that if we elect more women, more diverse people, more young people, we are going to see policies that not only serve those communities better, but actually serve all of us better. I don't think it is a coincidence that we are one of the only countries without any form of paid leave. And we also have some of the lowest levels of women's representation in government. Federal government. So I've always sort of worked in either organizing or communications or policy or politics around gender largely. And then when I had a baby a few years ago, you know, I had studied paid leave, I cared about it, but all of a sudden the urgency was just so clear. And I think that's what most people say is that, you know, it sounds great, you know, who doesn't support it? But when it happens to you, when you live through something, welcoming a new child or having to support a parent as they're ill or dying. You know, these experiences are what make it very clear how urgent it is. My baby was really tough, didn't sleep a whole lot (laughs) at all. He had colic. You know, I always say I was a lucky one because I had a job, I had a little bit of paid leave. There were no major health crises. I had you know, insurance, all these things. But still, I felt like the experience of doing that in this country nearly broke me. It changed me forever. And I just kept thinking, how is it possible that three and four workers in this country don't have any paid leave through their work. So it, it is a tragedy. It's a crisis. And I honestly don't know how so many women and families have made it this far.
0: Totally, totally relate to is like a, I'm a caregiver to my mom. And it's like a miracle that I worked for myself because I don't know how anyone else would do it. It's like so wild. And until I think to your point, you know, you go through those processes, you don't realize how messed up the system is, a little help there is, how little things there are, resources that you can tap into. And the same goes for obviously moms as well and the whole system. And it's wild. It's like I really don't know how it's this broken till we got to, you know, this point. And, you know, it definitely feels like where's sort of the end of the tunnel. And so I'm curious what. Paid leave looks like as a, like if we're describing it and we're telling Joe Schmo on the street, like, okay, we have been in this situation, we've seen it all, we need paid leave. And he's like, what is that? Like, yeah. what are you telling him?
3: Yeah. So it is actually a point of confusion and not just for Joe Schmo on the street, but even, you know, elected leaders sometimes get confused.
0: Oh, totally. Um, <laughs> he gets confused be- about a lot of things. A lot of things.
3: <laughs> yeah. So when I say paid leave, what I'm talking about is paid family and medical leave. But generally, you know, there's a lot of confusion. So there's paid time off, which is just sort of general. There's paid sick days. Let's say you need to just, you have a cold or your kid is sick, needs to stay home from school or you need to go get a test or something. Those are the days, the paid sick days. Another huge problem in our country. Millions, tens of millions of people don't have any. And then there's paid family and medical leave. Which means if you or a loved one faces a serious health condition of any kind, that you are able to take the time with a paycheck to be there to recover, to take care of yourself, or to take care of that person. So ideally, I think the standard we think of as sort of the minimum is 12 weeks when you think about recovering from certain things or having a baby. I will say that around the world, you know, let's talk about Bulgaria, they give 410 days. <laughs> Of paid maternity leave. But in my mind, right now there are so many people that have zero days that whatever we can get is going to save lives and and save families and save jobs. So it is the peace of mind that you can take that time
2: and be there for the people you love. Absolutely. What are I'm curious, what are some of the countries that like are the, you know, slow? so to say. Well, you know, there are a lot of the sort of
3: Nordic countries, you know, have very good policies. We often to talk about them in terms of sort of their gender policies. But it's it's not just these sort of, you know, utopian Nordic countries. It is nearly everywhere that is better than the United States. As I said, I think we are one of six countries now that has no form of paid leave. So you name it, that country is most likely to be better in terms of the way they they take care of families than we are.
2: Yeah. And I'm Why sure is- like, we could get real deep with the answer to this question, but why do you think that is? Like, why does the U.S. function in this way? I think I have my theories when I'm curious, like, what you think, I guess, is maybe rooted in our culture or whatever it may be that makes us so terrible at, you know, being supportive of workers.
3: Yeah, well... It is complicated. I think there's lots of layers. I could write a dissertation about this. Um, Yeah, literally. (laughs) I I mean, the thing, I mean, I kind of have actually already. But one thing I think is important to start with is to say that these policies are wildly popular. I mean, some of the most popular, period. There was just a new poll. Navigator did something recently. It was over 80 percent, I think, of voters generally. It's like, this is Republicans, independents, Democrats, you name it. Trump voters all overwhelmingly support paid leave and want a federal program. Wow. But it always seems to not quite get there. <laughs> As I was saying, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, we couldn't get it done. We, but we were one vote away. So I just don't want to I don't want people to feel dispirited. In fact, I feel more positive and optimistic than ever. But it's not the first time that components of a legislative package that disproportionately impact women, people of color, lower income workers was the thing to be cut and compromised. I think it has to do with power. And I think it has to be do with who has the most power in this country, who is in elected office, the influence of money in politics, all of these things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think this has a lot to do with structural sexism and racism. Mm-hmm. And I'd also add, you know, we talk a lot about this myth of like individualism in America, right? Like we can just use our bootstraps and, and just get by on our own and we don't need government or help and, and it's all a lie. <laughs> Nobody gets by on their own. And in fact, so, we all we all do better when we have really common sense protections and policies like this.
0: Yeah. Literally, sure. you know what that brings me back to, which is honestly one of my stupidest moments of all time, because it took me too long to understand the concept. But in middle school, there was a sign on the wall that was like, there's no I in team. And that is like literally like the whole concept put into one. My stupid moment was I really didn't understand. I was like, of course, there's no I in team. Like, how are they thinking they're spelling it? So anyways, that was my blondest moment of all that. But you also sort of, you know, hit a question here that I think a lot of people have. So maybe it's their blonde moment. I don't know. But what is the difference between paid leave and maternity leave? Is there a difference? Well, so paid maternity leave is a form of paid leave. There's also if you don't
3: say paid, it may mean it's not paid. So you may just have the right to take that time. For instance, right now, we do have the FMLA, which I'm sure folks have heard of and I think causes some confusion sometimes because what that gives you is time away from work. It protects your job, doesn't guarantee you a dime. But maternity, maternity leave is a form of paid leave. There's, you can call it paternity leave. You can call it parental leave, family leave, and then medical leave and sick leave apply to yourself. Does
0: that help clarify a little bit? Maternity, obviously, totally. it's for the mother. yeah, you know. sure, right. Especially the paid element because I feel like that is a really confusing part. Like I know yeah. people that it's like, oh, well, they have leaves, but again, like they're not being paid. But then other people that are, it's yeah. sort of like where the terminology comes in. Obviously, it's like you need as many clarifiers on it as possible, yeah. which is just mm-hmm. interesting for sure. Yeah. And it it needs to be paid,
3: right? So let's yeah, always yeah. include that. One hundred percent.
2: Well, who currently has access to paid leave? Like when we do look at, I guess, just different types of work in the country, like who has access to that? Who doesn't? Is this like PTO involved? Like, what does that look like? Also, how how do they all interact?
3: Well, as a baseline, I think I mentioned this earlier, it's pretty bad. We know that only one in four workers have access to paid family leave through their jobs. We know that I think it's over 33 million workers don't have access to a single paid sick day. It's pretty bad. And we know that actually men have more access to paid family leave than women. And I think it has to do with the kind of the quality of jobs that they have. Mm-hmm. We know that obviously this is less of a concern for people with wealth, but they are more likely to have access to it as well. And what we want to do is make a federal program that says you doesn't you don't have to rely on your employer. It doesn't matter what state or zip code you, you live in. That you just have access to this no matter what your job is no matter where you live no matter who you love
0: and take care of so that's what we're fighting for totally yeah. that just sparked a- another memory for me so a lot of my friends work in engineering construction management and they're <clears throat> I-, I have some dudes that are also doing that but m- most of my girlfriends are like in that field and they have the least access of all of my friends that are in other jobs to paid time off. Like they have the shortest amount, shortest amount of sick days. And very like privileged of me to say, like where this always comes into play is like, how are we going to plan a vacation altogether? Right. But like just being my age and whatnot. And but it like does strike me as like, OK, these are typically male dominated career fields that they're breaking into. And one of the things that they already are planning for is, of course, kids and They're like, I couldn't do this job if I decide to have kids at some point. Like, there's not enough leeway. There's not enough paid time off. I even wanted to, like, very happily, like, take my kids on vacation. Well, if I have five days of paid time off the whole year, how is that even possible? So I'm curious, like, also, too, if you've seen, like, really distinct differences between trades, like, what that looks like in terms of paid time off and also paid leave, like, are there certain career fields that are doing a little bit better than others or, you know, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I think
3: what's interesting is I have a lot of <laughs> friends who have had great policies if, when they work for law firms. I also have had a lot of friends who work at progressive nonprofits who've had almost none or none. <laughs> so, you know, it, it varies. What I think is really interesting, though, is that what is consistent is we have found that it either has a neutral or a positive effect on employers' bottom lines to provide paid leave for their workers. There've been so many studies we know from the states, we know from the private sector, particularly really helpful for small businesses who might find it harder to pay for this, but if they have a federal program, it allows them to compete with bigger businesses. It also, we know that if we pass paid leave with other things like childcare that help keep women in the labor force, it would actually yield millions of jobs, billions in wages and trillions in GDP. So, you know, we talk a lot about, oh, we can't afford this. We can't, we can absolutely afford this. And actually we lose money every day because we're not doing anything about it.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such an important distinction too. But getting into this federal program that we've been talking about, like, what is it? What is the Family and Medical Leave Act? And I'm super curious, like how it really would function. Like Mm -hmm. we we're curious, like, does the business continue to pay? Does government take over? Can you kind of explain like how this would be put into place yeah. and, and how it would act? Yeah.
3: So the, this is also something that is, yes, quite complicated. I mean, not really, but it, it is. And people get confused about it a lot. So I think many people think when they hear national paid leave that it's just this unfunded mandate. You know, everyone has to do it no matter what size your business is, no matter you know what you do. What we're proposing is not that at all. It would be a federal program that would be funded and and paid out from, administered from the federal government. So there are different models for how that, that money is collected, whether it's a social insurance fund where every worker pays in, you know, a couple dollars a week. We have, I think, Senator Gillibrand always says it's less than a cup of coffee or whatever. And then you have that protection. It's yours. You own it. You have this policy for life. Or... What was proposed recently during Build Back Better a couple of years ago was that the wealthiest Americans and corporations paid their fair share in taxes, and then we had the revenue to to create this program. So, frankly, my biggest c- concern is not how the money comes in, but that it goes out. <laughs> so, yeah, it would be you'd get checks from the federal government, and and that's that. Yeah, and you have well, the protection, ideally, of your job. Yeah. That is the
0: perfect segue into what I was just about to say, which is a question about New Jersey's paid leave insurance, which I didn't know about till I was like looking to like, OK, what are some of the existing policies out there that we should yeah. chat about? And I'm originally from New Jersey. So I was like, oh, my God, this is a thing. I texted everyone in my like group chat that's <laughs> New Jersey still or has family. So I was like, guys, you need to know about this. But I, I was curious as to one states in general that have things of this nature. But also, like, how that works, like, who pays for it? And also, it seems to be, and maybe this is just because I've never had a business in New Jersey, but, like, this wasn't something I knew about or, like, anyone in my New Jersey sphere had any idea about, which was obviously a little bit concerning of, like, you don't know it's there. How do you take advantage of it? And so I'm curious, too, in your, you know, scheme of all of this is, like, do you feel like the laws that exist are taken advantage of? Or do you think, like, they're kind of, like, they're there, but no one... Businesses don't even know about them, so they can't take advantage of them.
3: All all great questions, and I don't know the answer to every one of them, (laughs) but (laughs) what I can tell you, because, you know, I focus mostly less on the state policies and more on the the federal policy, but we know there are 12 states in the District of Columbia that have passed policies, which is phenomenal. There has been so much energy the last couple of years. I mean, in all states, red, blue, purple, there is new action. There are policies for city employees, public workers, teachers that have popped up in the last few few months. But yeah, so there are a number of states, which is great. We're so supportive of that. We want to see more and more happen. And they are, again, I think these are all social insurance funds. People pay in a little bit from their paycheck and then they have access to it. I think it's you're your right that there are probably lots and lots of people who don't know about this. And I know that there are efforts both from the government and the nonprofit sector to try to help people know your rights. But um, if anyone's listening now, you can go to one of our partners' websites. It's a Better Balance. Google Better Balance. And they have all kinds of state know-your-rights resources. And you can find out if your state has one and probably directly link to how to access it. But yeah, I mean, it's all... It, This kind of thing is complicated. You know, people don't always know about it, know how to access it, what paperwork to fill out. But I want to, I think there's often skepticism about will it work? How does it function? Government can't do anything. And one of my friends, Indy, has a great saying. He says, have you ever tried to call Comcast? Like, (laughs) <laughs> actually like oh, have, faith. have faith in government and, and it will work for you. But yes, there are there are a number of states and we're going to see more and more. And and my hope is not that that stops. It's just that we need a federal program in addition to that to make sure that we cover everybody.
2: The way I'm going to use that for the rest of my life. We <laughs> ever call right? customer service like line for a major corporation, like actual hell on earth. Thank you. Um, Google's the worst. Oh He's my gosh. Does they even have one? Like I've never been able to find a contact.
0: Well, and they're um, like all AI chatbots.
2: Yeah, right. Exactly. They like, no sense.
0: And then they all tell you that they're not the right contact and they send you to someone else and they just keep sending you to people. Cause I was trying to yeah. fix our, we like use Gmail Suite for our business and we and we were like failing, on, not failing, like had a storage issue with one of the accounts. And I was like, I just want to buy more storage just for this account. I yeah. it was like a three-day yeah. process and I still yeah. I just did it wrong. I was like, you know what? Like, you're going to be taking Might too much money be the for
2: me. DMV at that point, you know, <laughs> DMV is easier, and they're nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we're also uh-oh. curious to how paid leave gets factored in for people who work for themselves, like who really? are you know own a business. Can you kind of yeah look that picture too?
3: Yeah. Well, the program that we want would when, when we say all, we mean all. Any working person. So whether you're freelance, whether you're self-employed, whatever it may be, it's a it's a program that you would that would cover you. So that's that's what we're fighting for. And and that's hopefully what we'll get soon.
0: Totally. And I'm curious, I know we hit on this a little bit, but what the consequences are for not having paid leave. I know you said like we lose a lot of money as a country and as an economy, but if you could paint the picture of like some of the other things that really are are impacted by us not having this.
3: Yeah. So much. So yeah, money. <laughs> it means we're not going to be as competitive as a country in terms of our economy. It also means just individual families. We're losing so much in wages. Billions. It means that, we're, you know, just the instability. We're not going to have that peace of mind that if the crisis comes up, that we'll be okay, that we can float rather than sink. It also suits public health. <laughs> you know, when when people go into work sick, they spread illness. We know that when people don't get tested and treated, there's going to be worse health outcomes for everybody. We know that when parents don't take paid leave after they've had a, had a baby, that that is so bad for the mental, emotional, physical health of the whole family. Think about postpartum depression. Think about the horrible maternal mortality rate in this country that is because of largely things that happen after birth. So all kinds of health implications, economic implications, also equity. Paid leave is really important to gender and racial equity, to helping sort of level the playing field for people and provide basic protections so that all of us can have better career outcomes and choose sort of our life trajectory and and not lose wages and promotions and all of these things because of family caregiving. Totally. But then what I would also say, in some ways, maybe the most important thing is that Paid leave is about the most important moments of your life. You know, yeah. it's about seeing your baby's first smile. It's about being there when your parent is dying. You know, it's, it's, it's all of these things that are really what makes life worth living. And most mm-hmm. of the world simply takes for granted. And in America, most of us miss them. So I'd like to remind people of that, that this is about common humanity. And right. it's, it's unconscionable that, that we haven't passed this already.
0: Yeah, I have a totally different or adjacent direction question. And that is like about people actually then taking it. Like say those passes, like we had so many situations at my old job where like we had a decent amount of PTO. You could take, you know, paid leave and whatnot, but no one would take it. And then we also had clients that worked in PR that did unlimited for things and everyone was too scared to take it. So then it's like it's there, but it's actually kind of used as like a fear tactic or deterrent, especially like New York hustle culture is like something of another breed. So I'm curious, like if this were to pass, like if there would be anything integrated into it that would make it almost like a requirement to take it in some way, or if there'd be like any incentives for businesses to have their employees actually utilize the resource that's provided to them.
3: Well, there'd be no requirement. I don't think that's ever been talked
0: about. But what we talk about
3: a lot, though, is role modeling. There are a lot of people like Alexis Ohanian, I love him for this, talks about taking parental leave so much. And there's other folks in Congress. I think it's really important for men because I think there is more pressure on them not to take it and use it, even if they have it. So I think it's so important that people do it, that they talk about doing it, that they take their full leave and that we just make that, yeah, part of culture. And the, the funny thing is we talk about, yeah, hus- hustle culture, this whole lie about like needing to FaceTime and desk time and hours and stress. And But the reality is when workers have paid leave, we find not only is the business m- more profitable. I mean, the, the workers are more productive. They're happier. You know, in the long run, it serves everybody. They're, you're more likely to keep talented workers. You're not going to have costs of turnover so, yeah, I think, you know, there would be no legal requirement that would be hard to implement, but there hopefully would be a lot of know your rights work and a lot of culture work and a lot of role modeling.
2: Yeah, it's like a whole HR initiative that yeah. we'd have to get into. Yeah. Well,
3: I would love to have that problem. I would love to get yeah. to
2: let yeah. the Let's point do when Katelyn we do first and then yeah. we'll work on, you know, shifting cultures. Yeah. But um, Talking about the future of this of this bill, can you kind of explain where we're at? Like, what's the pathway to getting this through and getting yeah. making this become a reality?
3: So, as I mentioned, in 2021, actually, for the first time, we did pass paid family medical leave through the House of Representatives, which was great. First time. Historic. We were only one vote short in the Senate, so it didn't actually move on to the Senate. We're going to get it, I swear. <laughs> we're going to get that vote, but... We actually have a new bill in Congress. Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro and Senator Kirsten Gillibrand introduced just recently, along with the Healthy Families Act for Paid Sick Days, the Family Act, which is our paid family medical leave legislation in Congress. Uh, so we are trying to get more sponsors. We are trying to get lots of awareness of it and visibility and enthusiasm. I don't think there is like an immediate path it's not. it's not going to be going to the floor for votes any day really soon but there is so much new energy in congress we actually have for the first time in history a bipartisan working group on paid leave we have a new dad's caucus we have a mama's caucus you know all these different kind of little groups of congress people who who are interested and passionate about getting this done which is exciting so my what i always say is you know help me god we either get this done this congress or next you know as i said after the pandemic It just feels like to me, this is no longer a nice to have. This is a must-have. right? And so we are, that is the goal. And we are trying to just make sure that more and more people are aware of this and that most importantly, they are calling their elected officials. It really matters. So anyone who is listening, I hope you can pick up the phone, call 202-224-3121 is the switchboard. (laughs) You can go to our website with two clicks, contact your electeds. The more that they hear from you, the more we create a pressure cooker environment that we've waited long enough, the more progress we'll make.
2: Yeah. I am was also curious too, like what especially this Congress you guys have been facing, I feel like. Just what's going on right now in Congress is just the obstructionism is real and it seems like it's so much, you know, kind of partisan fighting and game playing that there's so many like real issues that like actually need to be legislated on that we just can't because they're talking about like banning stoves and shit. So like, I don't know, what are you facing as far as like, you know, doing that kind of lobbying work with this current Congress?
3: It it often disappoints me that (laughs) the things that happen in Congress or more importantly don't happen in Congress. It is it's tragic that we get so little done. I don't have a great answer for this, but is that we are trying to chip away. You know, we think a lot about targeting during Build Back Better. It was a really like surgical approach to the votes that we needed we would have actually passed that through this sort of complicated thing called re- budget reconciliation, which meant that we didn't even need Republican votes. We just could have done it with a Democratic majority. And again, we were one short. But there's, you know, we try to constantly shift with what's ha- what the legislative landscape is. Uh, and you know, I think we're very pragmatic about what the path ahead will be. But so the more Moderates that we get interested in this, the more Republicans, and there are. I mean, you will not find a member of Congress who says like, "Nope, n- against paid leave, horrible idea." You know, hate yeah. hey, moms, hate babies. You know, <laughs> That's right. And I think there's a lot of people. It's interesting after the Dobbs ruling when we Roe v. Ro- Ro- Wade went down. I think there's a lot of people who felt pressure to talk about family policies, and what I have often said is. They're not tradable, first of all. Like, you can't say, like, well, look away over here. (laughs) But, like, if you are going to talk about a family policy, you better mean it. It better not just be lip service. So if this is something you're doing to inoculate yourself from a horrible vote, voters better challenge you on that.
0: Right. Totally. Because I was going to say there are also, like, the state level have so many red states, like Mississippi is one, trying to extend Medicaid coverage for moms now that this, you know, these these horrible abortion bans are fully in place that it's that's like who are totally you know super super pro choice for like we see you like what in the yeah. what in the hell are you guys doing yeah. like this is bullshit and
1: yeah. it's
0: interesting though that like this can also be sort of used and positioned in a way of like well we we took away this so we're yeah. going to give you that it's like they think so little of women voters basically that totally like yeah.
3: <laughs> look over here like we forget about that look at this you know yeah and and i think actually it's been it's been interesting how they have been surprised by what's happened at the polls you know didn't didn't think that it would really matter that much to people so
0: yeah it's yeah it's one of those things where i feel like i've had like so many conversations with whether it's like guy friends or guys i've dated over the years who like well like it doesn't matter that much and it's like it's not your body well, right. Like, yeah. how, like, yeah. how are
2: we, I've actually like, heard that verbatim being like, well, it doesn't like affect me. So it's really not like up there for me. I'm like, well, I'm yeah. <laughs> well, for those who want to like get involved and help yeah. push this over the finish line, you mentioned the switchboard, but are there any other things that not only like people can do to help you at the federal level, but like, is there things like local state that people can do as well? Any like thing to highlight there as well?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think Most important is talk about this to all of your elected officials. I mean, ask your city council member what they think about it. Is there a policy? You know, ask your your state legislators. And and for my personal selfish interest, please talk to your senators and U.S. Congress people. Demand it because it's like we we should be furious, and a lot of us are. It is it is unbelievable that we don't have these common sense things, and we take it for granted that women will vote again and again without delivering for them. So uh, yes. Talk to your electeds, follow us, follow Paidly for All. That's the handle we use spelled out on on all of the social media things. We will, you know, try to keep folks updated on both not just on the news, but also ways that you can take action. Events that we're doing. We just did this fun campaign with Glamour that's going to actually continue to grow. Uh, We had a public awareness campaign that was driving to a petition. So we would love for you to sign that. That's going to be reemerging in the coming days. And again, you can go to our website and, and join us there and take action. But would love for you just to keep following this, to care about it, because it, if it doesn't impact you already, it will. And, and to share your story. If you hashtag paid leave for all on any social media, we will hopefully spot it and, and share it as well. And your stories matter a lot.
0: Yeah. I have one quick question because we get it a lot. And I feel like you'd be the person, perfect person to explain this. What are like, the, what is the use of a petition? Like, how does that help in getting legislation done or like sharing sort of the backstory of an issue?
3: Well, in this case, it's, it's not like it does anything magic, <laughs> but it's important because it's an organizing tool that shows how many people care. So, you know, there's a lot of times they've gone to the Hill with wagons of petitions to show, like tangibly show, the number of constituents that care about a thing. I was talking about this with somebody recently. That sort of felt like there was a heyday for petitions. They're like not quite as cool as they used to be. You know, there was like a moment when we were all like learning how to use the internet. But it's still powerful. You know, it's still important that we all sign every letter that we do every petition because, you know, one by one it adds up and it matters. Yeah. I mean, and state level, there's different things. Like there's a ballot measure. You know, your signature may actually help get something. You know, it's right. it's yeah. more complicated. Sure. But in this case, federally
2: it's, it's an advocacy tool. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great you deep do. dive and thank you for answering all our questions. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Take care.
0: Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to GirlInTheGov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding